Welcome back to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving, still on self-control. And today, our scripture, um, we're going to actually have three scriptures that are all saying the same thing, but it's all three of the synoptic gospels. So we start with Matthew, the 16th chapter, the 24th verse, and it reads, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. Luke 9th chapter 23rd verse phrases it this way. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross daily and follow me. And lastly, Mark phrases it this way in the 8th chapter and the 34th verse. Then he called the crown to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those of you who have an older Bible, or I think it's the King James Version, this would be in red because it's Jesus speaking. These are his words. Now, depending on which gospel you read, um, whether it's going to be Matthew, Luke, or Mark, some of the surroundings that occur before this statement are are made can be different depending on the perspective of the author writing it. But the consensus, what has happened prior to Jesus making this statement, is that they've already fed, he has already fed the 5,000. He's fed the 5,000 and then they're in Caesarea and he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And then Peter responds with, you know, thou art the Christ. And then he tells them to not to say anything to anyone. And he goes on to tell them about his impending death. And it's at this time in between, you know, Peter saying thou art the Christ and him telling um, them about his impending death on the cross that he makes this statement of if you want to be my disciple." You're going to have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And for me, that statement that he made is really a testament of our journey with him. Once we accept Christ as our Savior, we're just going to be called to give up our old life and our old way of thinking. Heck, if we're honest, When we come to Jesus in the first place, we're already in a sense giving up something, so to speak. We admit that we need him, that we can't do it on our own, that we have screwed up royally. And what we're doing is we're giving up our perceived right to self-govern. Now, self-governing is different from self-control. You see, because prior to our acceptance of Christ, we were the masters of our lives, or at least we thought we were, because we know that God's hand is always on our lives. But we didn't recognize him, and sometimes we just flat out ignored him or definitely went out and rejected. But now, as children of God, we give up our desire to govern our own lives, and we submit to God's authority in everything, everything, say that again in our lives self-control comes in because we still have the propensity to try and self-govern even as children of God and those two are inconsistent Jesus gives his disciples the forewarning that once he's gone they will need to walk in self-control he knew and continues to know what we're going to face 
Our ability to show restraint allows us to stay focused on God and who we are in Him. Remember, once again, it's like a defense. And although we know that ultimately God is our protector, He expects us to do our share of quote-unquote mending the fence or the wall, so to speak, ensuring that our wall is maintained. Jesus lays the foundation for what kingdom living is like. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? The kingdom of God is compared to, and then you can just fill in the blanks. There are many references, but the bottom line is that the kingdom of God is different. And we do not act the way those around us do, or at least we're not supposed to. We are not able to indulge in every whim or desire that we wish, as others do. We are called to be holy and set apart for God. And it's hard to see him in our lives if we look like everyone else. And the real issue with us looking like everyone else, you know, like the world, is because then the people of the world, they won't see us. And they really do want to see a difference. They just have a funny way of showing it. And if you think about it, once you became a Christian, you know, with your friends, your co-workers, either you had the people who immediately kind of respected you and then they'd attempt to kind of modify their behavior around you, or you had those that were outright hostile and challenged you outright, looking to see if your words lined up with your actions. And they probably didn't if you were a baby Christian, right? The moment um, you did something wrong, they'd call you on it. And the reason I believe that they do that there is an unbelief there at the, at the core, but underneath it, it's really a desire to see if God really exists. Does he live in the lives of his people? So as you show restraint and display a godly life, they gain confidence in Christ through you. It is the Holy Spirit that's working in their hearts. They don't even recognize that. So you may leave, right? It, it, this may be a person for a season that sees you and you, you leave. And then God puts another person to come behind you. Because remember, we're running a relay. And that person also displays godly behavior. Their life marries up with their words. And then another person comes in one by one until sooner or later, that judgmental heart of that person breaks for Christ remember it's not about you or I it's about Jesus we exercise self-control because we want to be obedient to him because we are citizens of his kingdom and we want to hear him say well done when we see him face to face what are the things you're holding on to today that you're not denying could it be a relationship you desire but no it isn't God's will or a major purchase that you want but don't have peace about it, or really want to have a conversation with someone about something they did or said, but you just get the feeling that you need to let it go. Denying what you want and instead looking for the needs of others is what Jesus did for us. Recall his plea while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? He asked his father to alter the plan to not to allow him to suffer on the cross. But then he added and meant it. It isn't about me. It's about you. So thy will be done. 
It's about the ones who will come as a result of Christ's obedience, you and me. And so he submitted with obedience and he was restrained in resisting his destiny. Jesus denied himself while here sticking to his mission and his calling. I want you to understand, Jesus, you know, because I think we have this idea, we paint this picture of, you know, him being this stoic, no-nonsense, not fun to be around, always, you know, serious, profound, which he was profound, but he was just as much man as he was holy. And I believe that he enjoyed, enjoyed his life here. When, he came, when it came time for him to ultimately do his mission, he stepped in that role and he did it. But before then, you know, he, he grew up just like anyone else did. The Bible doesn't tell us anything, you know, really after his birth. We get a little glimpse that he started teaching in the temple when he was about 12. They lost him and then had to come back. But after that, we don't hear anything until he's 33. And the reason that we don't hear anything is probably because it's not relevant to our salvation and and winning souls. But I don't want you to forget that he was a teenager at one point in time. You know, he was a little boy. He did more than just sit and pray and learn the Torah. He was a boy. He had friends he played with. He had a teenager, probably did little pranks, you know. (laughs) He learned from his earthly father, Joseph, and he became a carpenter. Like he had, he had a life. But then his heavenly father called him and he had to deny all of that. And the first thing he did was to be baptized by his cousin and then launch into his ministry to save the world. He denied himself for us, for you. So cannot we exercise self-control for him? Knowing that he'll help us with that too? Of course we can and we should. What are you holding on to that God has called you to let go of. Be honest with God and then ask him to help you, to deny those things that hinder you from being all that God has created you to be. It doesn't matter what your age is, your nationality, your gender, your economic status, or your physical limitation. God still has a plan for you. You're part of the team. You have a part to play. And today, you get to go to him and say, Put me in, coach. I'm ready. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you. We understand that this is a marathon relay that we're running. And we want to make sure that our team goes the distance. And so we want to run our race. And we want to run our individual races to win. We understand more now that doing that requires us to deny ourselves to say no to some things that maybe we really, really like that aren't necessarily a sin, but they get in the way of what you placed us here to do. You are a good God, and you are a fun God. You are a God who loves. You are a God who says that you came to give us life and and give it to us more abundantly. So it doesn't mean that we won't be able to delight and have fun in you and you won't give us the desires of our hearts but it does mean we will have to deny ourselves some things. And we may have to be okay with not ever understanding why you do some of the things that you do. We come, Father, asking you to help us to be honest with ourselves 
and revealing the things that we just really don't want to give up yet. Perhaps where we're not walking in self-control. And we ask you to help us to do that. We so want you to use our lives and we want you to bless us. And we want our lives to bring honor and glory to your name. I pray for those who are listening, who are caregivers, who are trying to balance caregiving with maybe daily jobs, responsibilities at home, raising children, spouse. Who knows? It's a struggle. And in this season, they may have to deny themselves a dream, postpone it. But help them to trust you, knowing that you still have a good plan for them. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to have a good day today. And I want it to be a day where you learn to trust God more. And then you go and you minister the act of caregiving 